1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
2: Good morning. Happy Sunday for October 22nd, 2023. This is Sunday Tick. I am Boy Olson. And the air is getting cooler. The days are getting shorter and therefore... We'll be live more often because, well, it feels good to get up and talk on live radio. So thanks to those loyal listeners who uh, often catch the show, uh, either here or on podcast. Uh, you can catch Sunday take on all your favorite podcast forms. But look, this is uh, there's a lot of news this week in Minnesota, and it's been brewing, kind of in a Minnesota way kind of bubbling under the surface in this passive, maybe, maybe not dynamic. Yesterday, Chad Hartman and I both confirmed that Representative Dean Phillips will run for president. He'll announce likely this Friday in New Hampshire. And as I told Vanita on the radio show this uh, on the morning news with Vanita this week, I think disrupting the Biden campaign in New Hampshire is the Phillips strategy to show that Biden is vulnerable. And should Phillips win in New Hampshire, then I don't wonder if he doesn't think that will draw more people into the race. It's an interesting and non-traditional strategy. But let's remember, Dean Phillips is not your conventional politician. So we will watch and follow that. And that was yesterday's news. And that came after Friday's news that Representative Tom Emmer, who's been buzzed about to be the Speaker of the House in Congress for the last three, four weeks, formerly started making calls and yesterday tweeted out a letter about why he wants to be the Speaker. Emmer's currently the number three Republican in the House as the majority whip. And the suspense, dysfunction, mess that is the Republicans' attempt to find a leader. We'll find Tom Emmer in the center of that this week. He uh, he has a good relationship with all the factions within the Republican House Conference, but um, as we will hear in a little bit from Representative Pete Stauber, the conversations behind the scenes aren't always easy with these members trying to get their support, as Jim Jordan learned last week. So this week's show, we are going to hear from Pete Stauber. It's a an interview I recorded on Friday just before Tom Emmer announced that he would run for speaker and started making calls. Uh, but I think it gives a little insight and a look and a peek into uh, Representative Pete Stauber's thinking and the dynamics within the House Because Pete Stauber gained national attention last week when he flipped his vote from the first ballot voting for Jim Jordan to not voting for him in the second vote. And he shares what his thoughts were on that and kind of that process. So, But before we get to Pete Stauber, a message from Minnesota Corn. Look, the fields are mostly clear, but that doesn't mean the farmers are done working. They're getting ready for next spring. And that... Harvested corn is going to be used and seen in feed and food and fuel. That's the way in which farmers think about the future. They think about it for what is this crop going to mean for my family, for my community, for my state in the future. That's why Minnesota Corn continues to fund over 30 projects that address environmental and sustainability issues across Minnesota. They help the farmers use inputs more efficiently, op- optimize conservation practices, reduce fertilizer runoff, because it's about the future. Minnesota Corn will continue to support research at the University of Minnesota and other places for sustainable use of corn, including new polymers. In fact, it's Minnesota Corn funding that helped the University of Minnesota's and Lactrol Technologies have a breakthrough on polymers just last year. So investing ideas, resources in the future of a sustainable farming and agriculture future in Minnesota, that's the Minnesota Corn Minute. Learn more at mncorn.org. When we come back, Representative Pete Stauber recorded Friday mid-morning.
3: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: My guest now is Representative Pete Stauber. Uh, we are recording this on Friday, so things may have changed, but um, it's important to check in, and he's obviously had a long couple weeks. Republicans in the U.S. House have been trying to figure out who would be the next speaker, and he, you know, got a little attention this week because he changed his vote between ballots, and so he joins me now. Representative Stauber, thanks for joining me. Great to be with you, boys. So um, just let's just start with, you know, the simple question. You changed your vote between the first ballot and the second ballot. I know you put out a statement, but what, what goes into your thinking as you're deciding who should be the next speaker?
0: Well, let's start from the beginning, boys. Um, we had uh, a member of our conference, Matt Gates from Florida, put forward a motion to vacate uh, the speaker's chair, uh, and he uh, brought along seven other Republicans. So a total of eight Republicans, uh, in addition uh, to two hundred and eight Democrats, uh, voted to uh, you know remove Kevin McCarthy. Uh, from speakership. So we're here today uh, because uh, uh, of what happened uh, in, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, early October. So uh, when there's a vacancy, there's, we have conference rules and and uh, we have candidates uh, in our conference, uh, for your listeners, that's, that's not on the House floor. It's just uh, it's, uh, 221 of the Republicans uh, in a, a room designated in the Capitol. And uh, we go down there and we listen to the candidates that want to uh, become uh, Speaker of the House on our behalf. And the first uh, two candidates that um, uh, put their name in the hat were uh, the current Majority Leader, Steve Scalise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the current uh, judiciary chair, Jim Jordan, from Ohio. And so <clears throat> they both present. We get to ask them questions, and then we have a secret ballot and conference. On that first vote yep. between, between Scalise and Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise got 113 votes, and Jim Jordan got 99. And before I go any further, our House rules – say any speaker designee must get the majority of the majority. And currently, the Republicans hold the majority by 221 votes. So the majority of the majority is 111. So in that race, uh, Steve Scalise got 113 and Jim Jordan got 99 in that race. Jim Jordan refused to concede. He refused to accept the loss in conference. Yes. So, so he brought his uh, followers with him, uh, which I think was a, a really a major mistake because I think at that moment, boys, he had the opportunity to bring our conference together. Uh, and his speech to the conference, um, it, it, uh, I mean, there were gasps, gasps. In uh, our conference, when he refused to, to uh, you know, to um, concede the election and that he lost to Jim Jordan. So, um, and uh, so, our conference, uh, this, the pro, uh, Patrick McHenry, the Speaker Pro boys uh, mm-hmm. uh, gave Steve uh, uh, several hours or as much time as he wanted to try to meet with the people, uh, the Jordan supporters, on how he can bring them into his camp. Um, to uh, get on the House floor to have 217 votes because 217 votes is what gets the Speaker. And by the way, uh, when Jordan did not concede, he got up in front of our conference and said, Steve Scalise, you must have 217 votes before we leave our conference and go upstairs on the House vote. That's what uh, Jordan demanded of Scalise. So uh, fast forward, Scalise is meeting with these folks. Steve Scalise realized that he wasn't going to get 217 votes in conference. Um, So the very next day, he knew it. He did not want to go to the floor, the the House floor, and actually have the public vote because he knew he he was not going to get 217. So he came to conference. And he took his name out of the hat for speakership. He said, I will not put our conference through this. More so, I will not put our country through this. I can see clearly that I will not be uh, the speaker because I do not have 217 uh, votes. So then we go a second round um, in that we all go back. We meet in conference. And Jim Jordan uh, puts his name in the hat. And Austin Scott, one hour and 45 minutes. Uh, before we met and in conference, he put his name in the hat. We did it over again. We we had questions. Uh, we had a forum, and then we voted secretly in that race. Jim Jordan got 124 votes, and uh, Austin Scott got 81, which which is really really uh, a very good total for somebody who just jumped in the race uh you know hour and 45 minutes before that so um Austin Scott gets up and he concedes he said I clearly lost this uh this race this morning uh I want us all to unite around Jim Jordan uh because you know Jim Jordan told S- Steve Scalise he needs 217 to the floor and Jim Jordan uh has to live by that rule you have to bring 217 to the floor yeah so, this the the, the uh, jim jordan uh requested a validation vote it was a secret validation vote before we go to the house floor uh while in conference we took that validation vote and jim jordan received 55 no's meaning there were 55 people within our conference 55 that said no one voted present and he then jim received the other you know the remaining of the votes so um uh, Jim Jordan has a choice. Uh, he can do the honorable thing, in my opinion, uh, to remove himself because he doesn't have the 217, yep. just just like Kevin McCarthy did and Steve Scalise. Uh, Jim Jordan made a decision that he was going to bring his vote public because he was our speaker-designee. He yep. was going to uh, bring uh, his vote public, um, and when he brought it public. Up to the house floor, I said uh, to myself, I said he must have two hundred and seventeen votes because that's the rule you know he he requires at yeah. least to have that, so uh, uh, he must have it. so when he went to the house floor, I voted for him the first round uh, I, I i i I believed that he had two seventeen because that was the rule and yeah. uh, that that he put forth. And he was nowhere near it. He was 20 Republicans short. And so um, uh, we. we uh, I, I spoke to uh, uh, Jim afterwards uh, and he thanked me for uh, my vote. And I said, you were supposed to only go to the floor if you had 217 votes. You did not have 217 votes. Uh, and uh, that discussion didn't go very well. And so that's why on the second vote, um, I, I voted with the 20 others along with another individual. So now he lost 22 votes. Yep. And it's, uh, as you said earlier to your listeners, it's Friday morning and uh, Jim Jordan is demanding another vote today. I suspect uh, that he will lose even uh, more votes today. And so um, we, we have to we have to make sure that that uh, that you know we elect uh, a Republican speaker uh, with Republican votes, uh, and I think uh, we will do that. But before we can have other candidates entering the race, uh, uh, Jim Jordan would have to remove himself as a candidate. So, okay. we'll, does that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, that does make sense. And I you know I want to make sure we kind of cover as much ground and, and insight because I really appreciate you sharing these insights Representative Stober, because since it is a closed room, the media and others just hear stories or we get you know buzz or rumors or text messages. I want to take this a little different direction about this speaker's race. And I, I know you and I know your history and your career. Um, you've been in different environments other than the U.S. House. A police officer with a team of officers that works together under, you know, a a command structure. You've been a hockey player who, uh, if anybody doesn't know the, the leadership structure in a locker room or the room, as they say, uh, is obviously fewer people than the majority of the U S house, but, but it's about relationships. Talk about the dynamics and the relationships and just the kind of conversations, if you can, that, you know that members are having with members about this. You know, seemingly stalemate the last week or so.
0: So, um, you know, I, I will tell you that that uh, building relationships, you know, are are really important. Um, and I think that that um, you know, uh, Jim Jordan is a tremendous uh, judiciary chairman. He has. He has exposed uh, um, a lot of the corruption, the concerns that we have uh, in our government. And uh, if you hear a a beep, that means they're opening up the House floor now. uh, No worries. uh, But I will tell you that that, uh, he's doing a tremendous job as the judiciary chair and many people Uh, who have been here a lot longer, and I have said he's the best judiciary chair uh, that uh, we've had in a long, long time because of his excellent work uh, in that uh, area. But I will tell you that, so uh, having been a member of, of, you know, successful hockey teams, you have to always work together, you know, give and take a little bit. Uh, And and I think that uh, there's, uh, you know, there's some games you have to sacrifice more than others. And you know, I'll just give you an example. You know that I was a marginal Division One hockey player, and <laughs> uh, I, I will tell you that that uh, when we played, uh, like for instance, Bowling Green, Ohio, Nelson Emerson, who played in the National Hockey League, when Lake Superior State went down to Bowling Green, or they can, my job was to quote shadow Nelson Emerson, yep. and uh, and I did that. My job was to neutralize him on the ice in a defensive way. Uh, And you're hearing some construction behind me. I can't do anything about it. No worries. Okay. So uh, being a team, you have to sacrifice. And also you have to, um, I have, you know what, boys, in my life, I've lost a lot of hockey games. I can tell you that I have learned more from a loss than I have from a a winning. And so um, uh, I won't, I'm not going to go into, uh, into detail, on what uh, the conversation I had with Chairman, many of us had with Chairman Jordan yesterday, but I brought up concepts like that, and I think uh, I think you'll respect that I'm going to keep my conversation private.
2: My guest is Representative Steve, Pete Stauber. We're talking about the you know the journey to find a new speaker in the U.S. House. We don't know here as we talk Friday what happened, and um, but talk about the work that's left to get done and how after this long tedious process how quickly a there needs to be you know uh, either a continuing resolution to keep the government open again in not so many days or you know to pass some budget bills to go forward the farm bill things like that do you think there's going to be energy and an appetite to come out and try to figure these things out is there work going on behind the scenes even though this gets all the attention to make sure that bills are ready or, or there's a potential, you know, compromise to move forward.
0: Well, we, we, boys, we have a lot of work to do. We have 12 appropriations. Uh, uh, we've, we've passed three had, had this, the motion to vacate not been put forward. We would have probably had uh, a, we have 12 major appropriations bills that fund the government uh and um we would have probably had six to seven of those done right now we would have had them passed they would have been on schumer's desk uh and uh then we'd have had to work on the the final um you know four or five uh and those bills the major bills um that uh, that we have passed or would have passed would have been about 80 percent of the discretionary spending for our country uh, and that would have that would have really moved us forward. But uh, because of the situation we're going through now, uh, we're still meeting. We, we're still having hearings uh, as I'm the chair of the Energy and Minerals Resources uh, uh, Committee. And I just uh, chaired a meeting yesterday. Um, so we're still doing the work uh, behind the scenes. Uh, but the, the 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 legislation that's coming forward, it's, it's slowed down a bit. And just an interesting fact on the Speaker pro temp. That was not in the Constitution. The Speaker pro temp came as a result of 9-11. We yep. realized we realized if something, you know, happened, uh, a Speaker Pelosi had a name in an envelope that nobody knew. And Speaker McCarthy had a name in an envelope in case something were to happen to uh, you know them as speakers. Yep. There would there would be a placeholder until we can elect another one. So that's kind of the where we're going. But you mentioned the farm bill. We've we we have to continue to work on this. And and you know, uh, when you go in regular order, uh, like uh, like we have been, you have the hearings, you have the markups, you have the amendments, and then you have a floor vote. That's what our founding fathers wanted us to go through. Uh, and I think that. If you don't have regular order uh, and you just have four of the leaders put a major package uh, on the floor and then force us to vote on it up or down, that's not the way to govern. And when we are, when we do uh, and are in regular order, we are much more effective uh, in in and using the taxpayers' uh, money uh, wisely. Um, and so we have a lot of work to do. We have to uh, elect a speaker, and the American the American people demand that. Uh, And they deserve that. And that's exactly what I want to I want to do for my constituents, uh, all of Minnesota and and our country.
2: There's been a couple other, you know, there's a, a few different angles out there about the dynamic in the speaker, both nationally and for Republicans. What are you hearing from your constituents? And is it different than what you hear from, you know, cable news or social media influencers or talking heads?
0: Yeah, so you know some some of the things that you're not probably hearing uh, in in um, the major news networks, whatever when you listen to, there's a lot of dialogue uh, behind the scenes, uh, and I think that uh, you know um, if it sounds like today, which which is Friday, it sounds like we're going to be voting on the floor. Again, people have have uh, on on the Republicans have said we're we're leaving. We're, we're going to uh Jim Jordan's going to be hemorrhaging more votes today and yep. at some at some point Blois um really you have to look at if you have a path to 217 uh and uh, and the path for Chairman Jordan uh is is uh you know being depleted every time he calls for a vote so Uh, My recommendation would uh, be to uh, withdraw so we can start over. I have to tell you, we have a lot, a lot of good members uh, in our conference uh, that can uh, perform the duties of speaker very well. And so we'll get to that, uh, um, I am sure.
2: There was one concept Thursday in closing here that uh, Speaker Pro Tempor McHenry would, you know, serve until January 1st or until a speaker was there. Do you support that concept?
0: I do not. Uh, that's not. That's not part of the Constitution. Uh, okay. Speaker McHenry pro Tempt, His job is to navigate and get us towards the next speaker. Now, uh, we are in uncharted territories. With that being said, boys, we are in uncharted territories. Um, you know, it could. It, uh, whatever he does, uh, legislation-wise, et cetera, it could be challenged uh, and ultimately go to the Supreme Court. So. Listen, this is, uh, these are historic times. This, this has uh, never happened in the history of our country. We're a motion to vacate and we lose our speaker. So we're kind of in uncharted territories, but I'm for staying here, getting a speaker, uh, a Republican speaker nominated with Republican votes and then going out and and legislate. Uh, We have to, we have to get that done. It's our responsibility and our obligation. This country is uh needs it right now and for for the for that matter the world the world right now needs our leadership
2: representative pete stauber i know you have to get to votes i appreciate it so much for joining me on sunday take thanks boys talk to you soon
3: Put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop blinds.com right now and save up to forty five percent. Up to forty five percent off for a limited time at blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
2: The tide is high. Charlie's playing a little Blondie there. A little fall music. Interesting, considering you know hurricane season and snow showers coming. I mean snow. Yeah, you gotta get in the mood. Get in the mood. Yeah.
1: Doesn't this get you in the mood for snow showers?
2: Uh, The opposite, Charlie. Makes me want to escape. But uh, enough of that. I I don't think I can escape anytime soon because, as that preview of the show said, a primer for what's ahead. Well, this week is going to be one to watch in Minnesota politics. And I mean that in historic proportions. You know, I've been on the air here for uh, 25 years, and in that time... I can't say that Minnesota has had two members of its delegation in play for national moves. Of course, Amy Klobuchar ran for president. Of course, Al Franken had a huge profile. Um, It's not rare for Minnesota members of Congress to have a profile, to lead an important committee. But the idea that we have a Democrat and a Republican together, I uh, there's going to be plenty to watch, and its impact this year is probably foreshadowing what was going to be maybe a less interesting 2024. If you have thoughts on this, text me at six five one four six one nine two two six six five one four six one nine two two six. Send me a text. Either on Dean Phillips running for president or Tom Emmer being speaker. You know, um, we'll start with Tom Emmer. So he sent out a letter yesterday to his colleagues and he he posted it on Twitter. And one excerpt says, if given the opportunity to be your speaker, we will use that culture of teamwork, communication and respect to build on the moments that brought us success, learn from our mistakes And keep fighting each day for every one of you and our Republican majority. And here's the excerpt that you just don't hear very often. And I think it's a maturing of Tom Emmer. I will always be honest and direct with all of you, even if we disagree. I will never make a promise that I cannot fulfill. I expect to be held accountable, and you can expect that we will also keep you to your word. This is the glimpse that Pete Stauber talks about inside that conference. Jim Jordan didn't get the votes because people didn't trust him. Steve Scalise didn't get the votes because a certain block didn't trust him. And Kevin McCarthy was ousted because a small block of Republicans that called for his ouster got their way. That's the dynamics of today's politics. And Tom Emmer is in this position to try to be the next speaker. And he's out there saying, I have to be honest. I have to hold you accountable and you have to hold me accountable. It's just not often that a politician today speaks with such frankness. And if you flash back to 2010, the Tom Emmer that ran for governor and lost to Mark Dayton in a recount, and had he handled some of the issues in that campaign better, I have no doubt he probably would have won. 2010 was a big Republican year. And that may have changed the face of Minnesota. But that Tom Emmer who ran there held some of the same passions and the personality. But he didn't have the political skills that the Tom Emmer of today has. And that's what's going to be the real test of things to watch in this speaker's choice. Speaking of skills, let's pivot. Representative Dean Phillips, third-term member of Congress, successful businessman, moderate in leadership, and he says on these airwaves earlier this year when Chad Hartman, my colleague, asked him, "You think Joe Biden should run for re-election?" and Dean Phillips was like, "No." So that's the first headline, and since then has been an evolution of leadership and lessons by Dean Phillips. First and foremost is, how dare you call out an incumbent president in these times that he shouldn't run? Are you an ageist? Is this ageism? Dean Phillips is a very thoughtful person. And thoughtful people in modern politics don't often have the fortitude to kind of carry through. So he keeps talking about it He keeps raising it when asked many times on these airwaves. And the country doesn't really pay attention in a big way the way they would that a senior member of the party or someone in leadership in the party would raise that issue. And that's where Dean Phillips doesn't really get traction for the idea and, more importantly, the concept that no Democrat – is dares challenge Joe Biden. And as I wrote in the morning take the, week, the day after the first Republican debate, I said, if Republicans nominate anyone, nearly anyone, other than Donald Trump against Joe Biden, they're going to have a very good chance. It feels a lot like 1992 to me. Aging president feels a lot of touch, tough economy. You bring in anybody more youthful and energetic, talk about the economy. It's going to be a tough road for Democrats, and I think Dean Phillips realizes that. He also, I think, realizes that if the Republicans do nominate Trump, that Americans don't want a rematch of 2020. We're exhausted. So Dean Phillips, as a business guy, is an idea guy, and he just starts throwing out some ideas, and he kind of – he tries to draw other people in the race. He even throws out names. People should – run. Nobody nobody decides to run. So this Friday in New Hampshire, reportedly, he will announce he's running for president and in a unique position, not necessarily surprising. If you know Dean Phillips, he says, I'm going to run in New Hampshire. And no matter what I do, however I do in New Hampshire is going to kind of lay out my next steps. So this, what does this mean to Minnesota? It means that I think we're going to hold tight and see if Dean Phillips is running for his house seat again. Meanwhile, Democrats are scurrying to figure out if they can challenge him or if he'll doesn't if he doesn't run, what does the race look like? Those names are Ron Harris, who was on the show last week, Zach Stevenson, state rep, Kelly Morrison, state senator, and Secretary of State Steve Simon, who my sources tell me will only run if Dean Phillips says he's not running at all for his seat, which We don't know yet. So Dean Phillips is hedging his bets, kind of like a good business guy, but he's operating on principle. And he's going to get a lesson in politics that he's not going to get in the third district, where his everyone's welcome theme has been uniting. And now he's being accused of dividing a party. Those are the things we're going to watch this week. It's going to make Minnesota very interesting. If you have thoughts, 651-461-9226. I'll try to get them in in the final segment, The Take. And The Take this week will be, is flyover country really the place to find our leaders? That and more on Sunday Take when we return. We're back on Sunday Take. I'm your host, Blois Olson. Thanks for listening this morning. If you missed part of the show, just go back to WCCradio.com. Uh, You can listen to the interview with Pete Stauber or thoughts on Dean Phillips and Tom Emmer. We're going to be following this very closely uh, this week in the newsletters. You can sign up for morning take or lunch take at fluence-newsletters.com. It's always free. A little preview of what's coming the day ahead uh, and as it happens during the day. And, of course, I'll be with Vanita at 620 Monday through Thursday this week. You know, this week's take is a reflection on who we are and where we are in Minnesota and in the Midwest. You know, so often the big states, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, Florida, California, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, they get a lot of attention during a presidential race, and they have more electoral votes. Playing the math game makes sense. And then you look at the Midwest, or what we like to be known as over country and yet here we are in middle America from Minnesota down to Kansas over to the Dakotas Montana and Michigan Wisconsin and we this week from this state are producing leaders you know one of the old mantras of leaders is lead follow or get out of the way or if you're a leader and nobody's following then you're not really a leader. And so I'm going to use this Sunday to launch the preview of 2024. It's called Flyover Country. And it's going to be the ways in which Midwest people impact national politics. Because you can hear about California or Florida, which you will hear a lot about. But the fact is that we live here and it's different. Our leadership styles are different. The TV ads are different. The policy decisions are different. That doesn't mean they're bad. That doesn't mean they're good. And as you compare Minnesota to the states around us, we are a bit of an island. But don't we have more in common with our neighbors to the West or our neighbors to the east than the neighbors in New York or our neighbors in California? And don't those values and those personalities and those relationships signal a different kind of politics? I would hope so. The relationships are important. And Tom Emmer and Dean Phillips are going to learn that this week in big ways. It's just like the relationship with this radio station and all of you. We try to learn from you and hear from you and understand you to reflect you. And maybe that's what Phillips and Emma are trying to do this week is reflect a Minnesota possibility. And let's hope that flyover country's approach gets a little better for the country. I'm Boyce Olson. Thanks for listening to Sunday Take. I'll be back next Sunday with who knows what, because when you're in Minnesota, politics is always unpredictable. Thank you.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.